This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Avery Williamson, linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you're listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello Steeler Nation and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. Sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises, I'm your host, G-Striker, and returning after a two-week hiatus, still the undefeated light heavyweight co-host of Steeler Nation, Hunter Homestack. Hunter, how you been, man? Good, dude, but I got to apologize to Steeler Nation right off the jump. Like you said, been gone two weeks, and what happens? First, they they tried hard to lose to the Ravens, but did not. (laughs) And then they actually lost to the Washington football team. So this honestly squares – it falls squarely on my shoulders. I understand that my absence from this podcast is clearly what caused the loss and the near loss before that. So I'm back, which means that they're going to dominate again. They're still undefeated when it's me and you doing the podcast. I'm just going to say, Jordan, I don't know what your mojo is, but you need to get some karma back. (laughs) <laughs> see i was i was going to go the other way and i was going to say well you choose chose to took those two weeks off so that we could get a chance so you'd still keep your undefeated streak going that's not a bad you know that's actually <laughs> exactly what i did you got me there striker fair <laughs> enough <laughs> no worries no worries and as always it is time to pay homage to our sponsor as i bring up the share screen here for total sports enterprises this week we will be giving away Hilton, Mike Hilton jerseys, signed Color Rush jerseys for free. Just go on to at Total Sports ENT on Twitter, retweet it. You're automatically entered to win. We're giving out that Mike Hilton jersey tomorrow. And, you know, what a great jersey to pick again. Mike Hilton was a monster coming back, hitting those short area plays he just he barely missed that big third and 13 or third and 14 conversion there in the second half on their first drive uh splitting the gap but he split the gap with the two blockers on the first screen earlier in the first half but love seeing him back love seeing him at high level again and great job total sports for uh highlighting another great player in that game at least that we got to see this weekend God, Mike Hilton is such a good football player, man. I mean that in like the most complimentary way possible. I feel like we've all played sports at some level, and no matter what sport it is, you know that kid who was not the fastest, who didn't hit the ball the farthest or shoot the best, 
but was just a player and was yeah. that guy that you wanted on your team because he could do a little bit of everything and just had a nose for the ball and for the game. That's Mike Hilton through and through, man. His intangibles do not leap off the screen. You know, he wasn't a combine darling. He's not big. He's not crazy fast, but man, that guy just plays football. I love it. And he does it well. Yeah. And now, I mean, we're talking about it. First loss of the season, Steeler fans. Sky is falling. Everybody's freaking out. Oh. But, um, you know, honestly, <laughs> you can pump the brakes a bit. I personally think they got – it's the perfect storm kind of of the COVID issues happening with the team, not having Pouncey, not having um, Connor, though, you know, I'll, I'll, I think that's going to be a blessing in disguise because with the Steelers not getting a bye week anymore – any player that's put on the COVID list automatically gets a buy. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's a two week buy. So yes, they have to deal with the sickness, but the muscle aches and the bumps and bruises to it got to go through there. Now we have Pouncey. Now we have who Pouncey usually gets banged up this time of year anyway. So for me, it's good that he, that Pouncey was able to take a couple games off. I know it hurt us in the run game. It hurt us in the pass protect with Hausner and the direct snap. My gosh. I mean, that was atrocious. Him trying to direct snap to uh Benny Snell, which just, you know, snapped it off his thigh. That was but, scary. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go direct snap with the guy that's only had a couple career snaps. So <laughs> was it was it definitely supposed to be a direct snap, or was it just that bad of a snap? I no, I rewatched I rewatched the footage. Okay. Ben didn't even make a move to the ball, and he did snap it like across his legs as okay. opposed to straight back. So it was supposed to be an, att an attempted direct snap to Benny Snell, just, and it failed. <laughs> it's just silly. Stuff like that, man. It's just silly. I don't yeah. know. I mean, we're obviously going to talk about the offensive line more on this show, I'm sure. So we'll save it for that. But to your larger point, I like yeah. – I do like – I'm with you. I like Pouncey and Connor kind of getting a week, week, two weeks off, especially during this weird stretch where the games were back-to-back -back and they didn't get their normal rest at all. I mean, the schedule they've been playing was brutal, and – I'll just throw it out there. The good, one of my favorite things about Twitter is that when you tweet something, it's on the record. So I got the receipts once again. <laughs> I predicted they were going to lose this game because it was just the perfect storm of yeah. crap with them. I mean, we saw the way they played against the Ravens, which yeah. was less than inspiring. You could tell they were getting tired and getting worn down. And Washington plays exactly the kind of football that the Steelers always struggle against. Even though I know that yep. they're not a great football team, that short, efficient passing with a mm -hmm. decent run game, Alex Smith protecting the ball very well. He never tries to do too much and always just takes what is given. And that always gives the Steelers and any team that's so turnover based and based on splash plays as a defense, that's going to give any defense like that problems because they just don't give you the opportunities to make those plays that they're used to making so I totally saw that as, as a troublesome game and the loss does not surprise me didn't make it suck any less you know the game was terrible to watch but hey man 11 and 1 not a bad record nonetheless it's not and I at least want to you know me I always do a play every week but since you brought it up already I, I think this is the perfect time to go over this specific play saying you know Alex Smith honestly he does an excellent job excellent job of protecting the football but he got away with a fumble <laughs> he got away with it and it technically it wasn't a fumble let's go over it here i got to show you guys here on facebook and you'll be, see, be able to see the replay here on youtube but as we see on the play where this was late in the third quarter we have tj watt coming in off of the edge here i'm going to start the uh, play on this and when he comes around the tackle, beats the tackle fairly well with a nice rip, and, rip under right here, and 
hits, attacks Smith's arm. Now watch Smith. He's standing on the 30-yard line when he releases the football. The ball oh. moves forward in his hand, and watch where the ball lands. 29-and-a-half-yard line. That is technically – the referees were right. It was a pass. It did hit his arm. His arm did go forward, but the ball was a backwards lateral by a half yard. If they replayed that play, the Steelers would have had possession of the ball at that location because he That's was crazy. jumping backwards – when he released the ball, the ball landed a half yard behind of where he released it. So by rule, even if his arm is hit, this is a lateral and a live football, and the Steelers jumped on that football. So Dude. with the referee crew that did a bang-up job of missing plays all day, you know, <laughs> including giving the freaking Redskins a fourth timeout when they had zero timeouts, which should have been the third time this season that the Steelers got off the field – Mm-hmm. with a team not being able to score points in the point-scoring area at the end of a half. Shocker. The, the referees awarded them a timeout, stopped the play when it was their responsibility to have a K-ball ready and on the field, and they did not have to stop the ball. If, if, he's, if Alex Smith is running off the field refusing to give the football to a referee, that is either a delay a game or it's on the Redskins to supply the appropriate ball. And they did not. And it should have at least been a 10-second runoff delay of game. Or the half should have ended just normally. You just, you just don't stop the clock. There's no reason to stop the clock. It was not on the referees to provide the correct ball. And <laughs> Tomlin knew that the referees were wrong in their interpretation. And we got hosed on three points in that play. So that's, that's an aspect where I am, you know, uh, I, Pat McAfee gave him kudos as well for, you know, Alex Smith kind of like, running off the field because Pat McAfee knows it's illegal. He tweeted it last night, but they they do practice this in the league. If you run off the field, you're allowed to run off the field with the ball. So if the referee crew is not smart enough, they will whistle the play dead. And that is exactly what happened. And that's on the referee crew for being JV in that situation. When they're JV all night, I mean, hell that non-call on, uh, Ray Ray McLeod getting hit by the um, when he was disengaged. That was a disengaged hit, and the rule is any contact by another player onto the, t- the the player after making the fair catch call is immediately it's a roughing the the kick or roughing the receiver or they're interfering with the with the uh, the kick mm-hmm. return or punt return. And fortunately, Sean Davis was spot man on the on the play and jumped on that loose ball. I don't know how the Redskins missed that ball, and I don't know how it is not ruled a you know interfering with the kick returner because it is it's by rule by definition they had two big blown calls at least in that respect and and, you know and they also missed the lateral but you know that's on tomlin tomlin honestly i was yelling at the screen for them to replay that or throw the flag on the replay because i i thought for sure it was a lateral i I, can't believe you noticed that yeah I, i thought it was at least parallel with what he was but then when i actually broke down the film i saw it was actually a half yard behind that yeah, was some, like that would have been a free free turnover. Yeah, and, that's um, some eagle eye stuff from you, man. I did not notice <laughs> that at all watching it live. But yeah, that's that's a great call. the The stuff at the end of the half with the field goal was even crazier by far. Yeah. I mean, I've watched football for a while. I don't recall ever hearing an administrative issue announced by the by the refs. So that yeah. that was a new one for me. That yeah. was interesting. But man, I gotta say one thing is like you you mentioned Pat McAfee talking about how they practice that. 
Yeah. Good on Alex Smith, man. Honestly, I know everybody wants to blame him and like call him a cheater. And like, I tweeted that as a joke, like comeback cheater of the year, Alex Smith. <laughs> it, I, it was a joke. Like people yeah, yeah. gotta say I was joking. I am a huge, you know, I used to cover MMA UFC for a long time and, and it's always prevalent in that sport as well, where if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Everybody knows this. <laughs> everybody knows that you can get away with enough with him. Now you don't blatantly disregard the rules and do something crazy, but when you can, when you can sneak in little infractions like that, that's a savvy veteran move on Alex Smith's part because he knows that they didn't have time to get that kickoff otherwise. Yeah. So that, that was a, it was a great job by him. And I know Steelers fans are going to be upset about it, but if Ben would have done it with that little smirk going off the field, yeah. you would have loved it. You guys would have loved it. So it's just, it's tough when it happens to your team. Of course it sucked, but good on Alex Smith, man. That, that was, you know, I got to give him kudos and I bet, that will not happen again this season. Every referee squad from now on will be aware of that and, and yeah. will be, you know, on their toes for that situation. Yeah, because it is in the rules that they are not supposed to stop the clock in that situation, and they got confused. So, yeah. you know, they, obviously Alex Smith was with more experience than the referees that were on the field, got the, uh, the bonus out of that. And, you know, I can't fault him for attempting it because that was their only chance to get off of the yeah. It was their only chance. But Ben still had a decent game. I mean, 33 for 53, 305 yards, uh, two touchdowns, and an interception off of an incredible batted ball. I know he had three balls batted at the line of scrimmage this game. Also had six drops this game. Yeah. Um, really, you know, two games in a row where Steelers have five, and that's 11 drops in two weeks. So bad, and, dude. you know, it's infuriating – I know we have questions and all this later on and on the um, from from Steeler Nation, and I'm going to answer those questions specifically on what I see about the drops and how I think the Steelers can fix them. I think they are fixable, mm -hmm. and they're three different receivers or four different receivers, and they're four different reasons. So I will give you <laughs> That's all amazing. the reasons why. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we got the full drops breakdown for Stryker. I'm excited <laughs> for this because I'm watching it and I'm just, you know, wanting to go in my backyard and catch some footballs and be like, I, I don't know, man. It's weird to watch professionals struggle that this much at that. You know, I get drops here and there happen. Yep. Every receiver has drops for sure. But this is this is by far a trend at this point. It's like it's in their heads or something. I don't know, man. I'm excited for your breakdown. And the craziest aspect of it is it's not their hand positioning. Their hand positioning is spot on. Nice. So, like, that's that's the crazy thing. So, we'll get into that in a little bit. We'll talk about the running game, which uh, now at 21 yards for the game is, like, the lowest we've had uh, in, this, in the Super Bowl era. Um, so, <laughs> it was pretty piss poor with uh, Anthony McFarland leading us with 15 yards, Snell with five, uh, Samuels with one. So, you know, obviously we got our yardage through the receiving core. James Washington was the leader in receptions this week. Another new leader. Ding, ding, there ding. James Washington. Or in yards. He had two yeah. receptions for 80 yards. Nice catch and run on that touchdown. Uh, loved that play. Very Heinz Ward-esque. <laughs> um, Deontay Johnson had the most receptions with, 70, with, with eight and 71 yards. Had three drops. Um, at least with Deontay's drops, right after the drop, he tend to make a big play right after it. So he yeah, a drop on a short one and then rip off like a third and long pickup. Yeah. Uh, and so like, Weird. you know, he, he was at least making it work. Eric Ebron was the big dropper today, seven receptions, 68. He also had two drops. Uh, his seemed to be, you know, more right there in his hands and ready to go. But, you know, we'll talk about that in a bit. And Claypool had a great game. I mean, contested catches he was really fighting for the football got a pass interference call uh two big catches uh for 38 yards and uh juju like 28 yards now you ask 
you asked me how many catches did he have for 28 yards? Yeah, I know. You would think two, right? <laughs> yeah, seven. Yeah. Seven catches for 28 yards, but he is our short area back right now. It's he weird. Is, he is the guy doing all the dirt work and working hard. And uh, Samuels then added 11 yards with his three receptions. So, you know, this is – you know, we're a pass team. We're a run-and-shoot team, and this is the way it goes. I was happy to get Samuels back this game. Um, this game, he had, a, he had a, a quietly a really good game. That big block down the field uh, on Washington's catch and mm-hmm. run for the touchdown, he was the reason why nobody touched Washington after he caught the ball and started running. He yep. ended up walling off two people, and that was a smart heads-up play by him. Um, but just he's, he had a nice good catch and runs. He was good in pass protection. He's that guy we kind of miss because he's kind of built for that that two-minute warning play and, and the two-minute warning offense and the, the quick offense, that uh, the hurry-up offense that Ben likes to run, that's what Samuels is built for. Yeah. And I liked I liked Samuels on the one screen as well, making two guys miss. Yeah. His, his The big knock on him has been his lack of elusiveness yeah. throughout his career. It was nice to see him kind of sprinkle that in and get a little playing time, but there was no running back to really <laughs> to talk about yesterday, no. man. It wasn't <laughs> – and, and, you know, once again, like I was tweeting this during the game, there, there's like three running backs in NFL history that would have had a good game behind that line. Like it, yeah. it really was not the backs, man. Like when the offensive line gets zero push and negative push, yes. no, no back is going to succeed behind that line. So I understand everybody's like, Oh gosh, we need Connor back. We need James Connor. Like James Connor was not the answer yesterday. He, he wouldn't have been the solution. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's getting scary to the point now where it's like, you like I, I think personnel switches might have to come into it. I know I want to talk about that a little bit later on because we had some questions on that. But uh, but it, it's yeah. it's getting to the point where there's got to be some big changes coming up. I mean, um, it's it's the textbook definition of insanity, right? Keep doing the yes. same thing and expecting Expect different, different results. Result. At this point, it's pretty clear that that line does not run block or has not run blocked in the past several games. So yep, we're we're going on five games now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like, we, we had like one you said, good game two games ago and starting to set back. Though I know. You know, at least the Redskins and Washington, like we were alluding to also, Washington has the third best pass rush in the league. Yeah. They have an excellent front seven. So number one is us. Number two are the Eagles, who they gave us some fits as well when we played them. And now Washington. So uh, we don't have to see a pass rush this good the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, and that that's awesome. And one thing about uh, Washington's front in particular is that mm-hmm. they – they don't have like that standout guy. Now, Montez Sweat had a great game, but and no, Chase, well, Chase, Chase Young, Chase Young, Chase Young obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's that guy. He, yeah. He's decent. but Yeah, yeah he's pretty good. <laughs> but they spread the wealth, and it reminds me of kind of the way we always talk about the Steelers receivers in that having four B guys is sometimes better than an A and a D. The, the Redskins yeah. kind of right now just have this crew of very good players. And, and that's tough to deal with, man. And you saw – oh, I'm sorry, the Washington football team. I can't yeah. believe, what I, can't believe <laughs> what I just called them. Ding, ding, ding. I, see, I'm the one that gets to buzzer you today. Air, air horn me. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Old hat. I was actually thinking – dude, I was thinking during the game, do you think the commentators have to, like, do I, – I know they do kind of practice runs of commentary anyway, but do you think yeah. they really have to drill – Washington football team into their heads somehow or like just avoid saying that's just say Washington like I can't believe they didn't say what I just said at all yesterday or not that I noticed especially with that commentating crew Ray Ray McDonald and everything they were they they were terrible (laughs) they They were were just 
they were as yeah. bad as the game. <laughs> well, jeez, I mean, Fox knew it wasn't a national game, so they threw oh. in their like Zeke squad. Oh, dude, it was out terrible. there to to try to announce, and it, it was it was painful. Like, I actually wish we had Chris Collinsworthless at least back there. See, I like um, Collinsworth anyway, but I, I totally it, get what you're saying. Yeah, for yeah. the for the most part, like I don't mind Collinsworth. Just I just think he has a, an extreme bias against Ben Roethlisberger for some it reason. Does seem and, that way. I don't know if it's from the old Bengals. That's what I was gonna say. Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Bengals have its die hard, man. But they do. But but for thing, the most part, I find him to be very insightful and enjoyable. And, and I don't think that Steeler Nation should have raised the shit fit as much as they they did over his comments that he tried to make to. Agree you know, on that as well. To, to at least state that, yes, Steeler Nation is incredibly smart and our women are as mm-hmm. smart as our men when it yeah. comes to understanding the nuances of the game of football, the rules, the strategies, and of their football team. And yeah, understanding and I, every player on their team. Yeah, and his response slash apology to that was absolutely perfect as well. He didn't yeah. try to make excuses for what he said. He wasn't trying to get you to understand. He simply said, I was wrong and I need to do better. I apologize. Like, that's how you apologize. And in today's world, you don't see that. And it's like people are afraid to say they're sorry or admit they're wrong so many times. Yeah. So that it was cool to see him just kind of own up to it and be like, yep, that, that was messed up. Shouldn't have done that. So, yeah, man, I, the highlights. One thing I wanted to point out earlier was Deontay Johnson's first touchdown that got called back. So, like, yeah. you were talking about how he'll have a drop and then make up for it with a big play. This game was the prime example of that. I mean, he, yeah. he scored twice, you know, without yes. the penalty. He really scored twice. Yeah, he did. Again, two drops, three drops, however many drops he had. Too many, for sure. Yeah. He had and three on the day. Yeah. It's just – it's frustrating, man. It's really frustrating watching him play, which is what we've said with him all year. It's like we just keep waiting to see that stellar star receiver that I think we both still think he is, and that guy is in there for sure. Yeah. But the, the inconsistency is getting incredibly frustrating. And now 12 games into the season, you have to start asking, uh, is it just who these guys are at this point? You know, we've been – We've been talking all year, me and you, Stryker, saying the offense still has another level. The offense still has another level. It, and I, and I, st- I still believe that. But once, you're, too, once yeah. you're 12 games into the season, is it yeah. time to accept that we're three not going to see that other level, you know? Yeah, we're three-quarter of the way in. And it's, it's now to the part, part where you either have to live with what we are mm-hmm. or – personnel changes to try to get some change to balance out the offense a little bit yep because i mean shit this is like five straight games i think ben's over 40 passes per game for five straight game which is a a a steelers record that's crazy um and it's his fifth straight game without a sack so this is a steelers record for the most attempts in five straight games and we haven't let up a sack in those five games because our previous record was mm-hmm. only three games without a sack. And I mean, mm-hmm. this is an incredible job that, that Ben has put on. And he, he was playing well enough to win this game. I mean, yeah, pretty much all sure. the stats fall in line with all the other wins we've had, aside from a couple things that didn't go our way. And of course, a great defensive play that they made on that last drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the difference of the game. And every game comes down to some, some differences that are, that are pretty close. I mean, I mean, the, the, the <laughs> The money downs, which Tomlin likes to allude to, you know, third down, we were six for 15. Washington was four for 17. So we're both about the same there. They were 0 for 1 and fourth. We were 0 for 2 on our fourth and ones. Uh, one for three in the red zone. They were two for three. Though the one in the red zone, I'm not as mad about. The one where we went for it and Snell didn't get it on fourth down, that's given Washington the football back on a 99 yard field. Like that doesn't right. hurt me. And it didn't hurt the Steelers either. They pushed them to a three and out. 
They yeah. kicked the ball, the ensuing possession. We the, the next play, we scored with that Washington play. Right. So, you know, that didn't kill our football team. That one of at least one of those red skin law or one of those red zone laws. Look at me freaking <laughs> Freudian you slip in there too. I got you on it. <laughs> red <now>. zone losses. <laughs> but penalties have been low for the Steelers. I mean, we've been right around four, five, four to five, six penalties a game during this stretch. Um, after getting out of September, I mean, we haven't had a double-digit penalty game in a long time. Yeah. We're playing well. We're playing tough. Uh, we did lose the turnover battle because having that last turnover in the end zone. And unfortunately, like T.J. Watt didn't fall on that fumble that he forced on the, uh, mm-hmm. the running back when he stripped it from him yeah. and uh, tried to do the pickup. And the, then the Washington guy falls right on the ball, and we didn't get it. So, yeah. I mean, and then aside from that, the time of possession is a minute off between the two. Three, uh, three and a half to 29 and a half. But if the Steelers still kept that drive going, the Steelers would have had the, the drive of possession the other way. So it would have mm-hmm. been closer to a 30-30 game. Yep. Uh, but still, it's not a, a huge time of possession loss. It's just the way that situationally that they lost possession and weren't able to drive the football back the other way to get the win. Yep, for sure, man. I mean, you make a, you make a ton of awesome points there. Just watching the highlights, it's still, still a little depressing to watch the game go the way it did. You know, so many places, as as you just mentioned, just one thing changes and maybe that changes the outcome of the game. There are so many decisions that you could break down and say, oh, this is the one that cost them. But overall, they yeah. just they weren't firing on all cylinders. And that was extremely clear on both sides of the ball on on T.J. Watt in particular. I don't mind that. I know there are a lot of people that are like, just fall on the ball and you got, and I know they teach you to fall on the ball. But when you think about the truly elite players and the truly special players, they don't yeah. just fall on the ball. Like how many times yeah. do you remember Troy Polamalu catching a pick and going down yeah. because that's the safe move or Minka right. catching, a, <laughs> catching a pick in the end zone and just taking the touch back because that's the safe move. Like special players always think they can make special plays because they can. So I love TJ Watt thinking, Oh, I'm going to scoop this and score. Like, yeah, I'm not fault. Like I'm, I'm making I'm the play. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm making the game. play because I'm yes. TJ Watt and I can, like a lot of people had a problem with that. And I saw some people kind of insinuating that it even cost them the game or something i'm like dude come on tj yeah. watt if anything what would have won them the game didn't cost them the game by any means there are so many yeah, more things I, yeah i don't think it was he cost them the game but i believe that that was a turning point in the game i, well, I believe that if he if he did fall on that football things would have gone differently steelers probably win the game but he, he didn't cost us the game by any of course means that's, whatsoever that's so a crazy thing to say there. but for sure yeah. obviously a turnover would have been huge right there and similarly like if Sean Davis didn't fall on the ball earlier, how would that have changed the game? I don't know. You can you can just play the ifs game to ad nauseum, yeah. you know, and t- forever, and it doesn't matter. Like I don't I don't really deal in ifs. TJ didn't make <laughs> TJ didn't make the play, and that's fine because yes. he was trying to do something special. I'm okay with that. Yep. And the defense on the other side still played a solid game. They held the rate the 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 football team to <laughs> under f- 50 yards rushing. And they three sacks, Watt, two at Spillane, seven TFLs, two for Watt, two for Hilton, two at Spillane Avery, and Avery Williamson coming on mm-hmm. for um, Spillane, too. Yeah. Uh, and now the Steelers have the record tied with Tampa Bay, a sack in 69 straight games. Very nice. So we yes. get a sack on Sunday night against Josh Allen. They're gonna. Steelers have the record. I just, once again, I mean, we say this every time we discuss the record. I, this team is not going to go a full 60 minutes without getting a sack. That's just – it seems impossible to me. I can't fathom that happening, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously, I think the record is all theirs, and, that, and what a record to have, man. It's crazy, and it's crazy how spoiled the Steelers fans are 
that, yeah. you know, a mentality like mine where you just can't imagine not getting us. It feels like the record – it feels like the streak's never going to end right now, yeah. you know. Yep, and TJ just took the lead, too, for the uh, NFL in sacks, getting that sack in that game. So now he's in first place with 12, and he's the first Steeler player with 12 sacks in three straight seasons since 1982 when sacks became an official statistic. Not bad. The dude's so, pretty good at football. <laughs> pretty good. Also with that forced fumble. Yeah. He has oh, 16, okay. 16 forced fumbles since being drafted. And that is number one overall in the NFL. And since 2007, he has more forced fumbles than any other player in the NFL. Dang. Since 2017, you mean? 2017. Okay. Correct. I was going to say, yes, I was you. like, holy crap. So he has like a 10 year head start on it. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I know he hasn't been in the league that long but Man, you know I always got you to help me out <laughs> yeah, I, got, I got you I thought they were logging TJ's middle school stats or something for that <laughs> no nope <laughs> so game balls for you then Hunter who would be your offensive game ball this week no nobody deserves it <laughs> <laughs> on, <laughs> on dude seriously I guess James Washington he yeah. didn't mess like Deontay had a you know well, I don't know. They both had similar impacts. I want to say Deontay, you know, had more volume stats, maybe had more points in fantasy if you want to look at it that way. But the, the drop passes were way too much to handle. That Those mistakes were terrible. So, yeah. definitely, it's got to be got to be James Washington, if only because I feel like he's the only offensive player that didn't play subpar football. Yeah. And uh, I, I like what uh, Jalen Samuels was doing that game. So, since you're taking Washington, you I'm actually giving mine to Jalen Samuels. I mean – he was kind of the utility knife. He was doing a good job. Um, I know Steeler fans are upset that he wasn't in there on that last play where they decided to target Anthony uh, McFarland as opposed mm -hmm. to having Samuels on the field for that same play. But, you know, I'm not going to harp on a rookie making a mistake. We saw a pass intended for Torrey Holt. Uh, where, where, you know, Troy Polamalu steps in front of him and completely in front of Torrey Holt and somehow goes through him, his mm -hmm. arm hole. He, he got six hold. If, you, if you're a goalie or a uh, nice. hockey fan in ice hockey, he got six hold with a football. <laughs> <laughs> Went the other way and all Steeler Nation is like, why did we trade up for this guy? Yeah, he yeah, sucks. Right. Hall of Famer. <laughs> he, he was, he was okay. Turns out he was okay at football too. Rookies make mistakes. Um, you know, he was wide open. He misjudged the ball. He got caught up on his own feet and just ended up looking, <laughs> looking was, silly on the play. Which he was did. Unfortunate. He did. I loved Ben taking responsibility for that, saying it was a yeah. bad throw post game. I think yeah. that's part of the maturation we've seen from Ben because just a few brief years ago, we remember him kind of criticizing James Washington for laying out for that yeah. ball against yeah. Denver that he didn't need to. Like Ben is not shy about criticizing his guys when he feels they need him, man. Whether that was on Ben or McFarland, you know, that to me is up for debate. I can see the argument being that it was a bad pass. I could also see the argument being made that McFarland played that ball terribly. So yeah. I'm not sure, really. I'm not a professional football player. So I don't know. I would have made the catch, obviously, Striker, but I don't yeah. know about McFarland. <laughs> it was a tough catch. It was actually high and outside. So the play on the ball, if you're a receiver, is actually to basket catch it. You're supposed to run with the ball, catch it over your outside shoulder, which is a very difficult ball because you'd be looking left and having to catch it over your right shoulder um and those mm -hmm. plays are difficult for a running back let alone a wide receiver when right. you're catching opposite shoulder so you know it was a little high and outside but it was still in a spot where only he could have made it and if he kept his feet on the ground a little longer before trying to make a play on the ball yeah. he would have been in a much better spot to grab it so you know it's just it's just the way it is it definitely and, and looked of course, oh, I, I forgot the one drop too we actually had a drop by a lineman 
Oh, does that count? Yes, Zach, that is a drop. Zach Banner. Zach Banner would have caught that football yeah, striker. You know it, what? It hit Hawkins in both hands, and he immediately, it looked like it was oh, it looked like it was like Taylor making an interception that, in the regular season. That it, it that was hideous. Hit the ground but, as quickly as it hit his hands. It, one of the worst parts of that play was a the fact that that was what they drew up. That's what they tried. B the he wouldn't have scored even if he did catch it. Like it, yeah. it wasn't even a good play. Even there if were it guys, there were guys there, but I'm never one of the people to be like. I see with the, with the linemen, they have so much more girth to be able to fall forward. It's true. So like, yeah, I, I do see what you're saying because there was three guys around the ball, and you think it's it would it would have been poetic justice if we would have caught it, and he still would have gotten tackled short. I think he would have. Um, but he's just such a like those linemen. When you give those big linemen the ball, oh yeah. Rumbling, they can, bumbling. They can lean yeah. forward. They can make oh, yeah. a play or hopefully make a play. You, um, you would hope. You yeah. would hope. But yeah, man, a lot of that that whole sequence, that whole goal line sequence was just yeah. disgusting. I don't even. We can't talk too much about it. There's not a whole lot to say about it. So let's go to the defensive side. Who's your defensive game ball then? So I'm gonna go Mike Hilton. Yep. And obviously, there's a close second place that I yep, assume you're going to take. take but <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike Hilton, especially in the early goings in that game, man, was just freaking everywhere. And like we we talked about him earlier, so I'm not going to rehash it all. But man, yeah. I just I love Mike Hilton's game. It's very obvious the impact he has on that defense now that yeah. he's fully healthy and back in the swing of things. I mean, guy was just constantly around the ball, splitting splitting the uh, the blocks on the screens. That's like Troy Polamalu's stuff, vintage yes. Troy Polamalu stuff, which is amazing. Love seeing that. He did, like you said, he did miss a couple plays here and there, but he's trying to make trying to make plays, trying to make a play on the ball, being aggressive, which just like I talked about with TJ Watt, never gonna fault a guy for trying to make a play. And I'm gonna go with my game ball, of course, being TJ Watt. Um, and the reason why I really want to give this game ball to TJ Watt is this is the first game he has played without Bud Dupree all season. Uh, that, that's a great point, too, because and, a lot of, a lot of people say that that's why he's successful, right? Because yep. it's just the totality and, of it. And yeah. it. We always think it was the other way around yeah. for Steeler fans, especially when they switch sides um, and showed that TJ Watt can play either side in this in this defense. But he was still impactful. He was still making splash plays. He was still DPOY caliber, mm-hmm. even without all the naysayers saying this defense is not going to be the same without Bud Dupree. And yeah, you know, Highsmith is going to have a little bit tougher time on the other side. He did some good things. He got some pressures. Uh, he had some good tackles uh, working back to the football. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's not Bud Dupree. He's got to work up to that level. He will get better. So, you know, I, I like at least the potential with Highsmith, but, you know, Bud Dupree is not the engine of this defense and never has been. It's right. this is a, a Watt Hayward to it. And even, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, everybody right up the middle. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, that's, that's what we run on. So no doubt. You know, and just, big, yeah. Go ahead. I, no, I was going to change the subject. So finish your thought there. <laughs> oh, least, well, I'm going to go to injuries. Do you want to finish? Do you want to start your topic or do you want me yeah. to talk injuries? No, I was just going to, cause we got on Facebook, Larry, Larry oh, cool. shouted out about the, that uh, first and goal, the whole one yard line sequence. Yes. He said, why didn't Ben just take it in? If you asked me, they lost the game because Ben didn't take it in himself. Then four downs that tried is just stupid coaching. I mean, I think ultimately we agree that Ben could have snuck that in, but as we know, Ben does not sneak for whatever reason, Ben does not sneak. I've never heard it really described. Have you? He doesn't and like to sneak. <laughs> he sneaked once this year and he made it. Um, you know, it, it sucks because you have Tom Brady, who's a little smaller than Ben. That's all he does is sneak. He'll sneak on like third and threes. If he sees the right thing, he'll, <laughs> yeah, he'll right. slap the guy's ass the right way and they know where to block. And then he follows that classic Tom Brady. Good old Tom. 
but uh but ben the the only reason at least in this game why i'd be apprehensive about him sneaking is because you're going but you're, you're behind hausener and hausener is not pouncy like yeah. pouncy de castro pouncy filer i feel more comfortable with getting some push but those guys weren't getting pushed yeah. hausener didn't get pushed all day no and um mm-hmm. you know he, he looked like crap mm-hmm. at least from the run game perspective he's doing fine he did actually a much better game in pass pro this past game though they did have that one guy that came free up up his side Though Ben did a great pirouette to get away from that. <laughs> the mm-hmm. only free rusher that Washington had all game, expecting to get their first sack of the game. And yeah. Ben's just like, whoop. <laughs> yeah. Then a little pirouette and out of the way. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals, to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's blue wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world for more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply offer valid through December 31st injury wise in this game. I mean, we did take another starter hit. Robert Spillane going out with the knee is a big deal. Fortunately, all of the news today is stating it is not torn. He's going to return the season. So I'm thinking he's, he's in the two to four week window for coming back, which is awesome. Also kudos to uh, Kevin Colbert for making sure to go out and get, Avery Williamson right there at the trade deadline yeah. because we would have been screwed. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Like we, we'd have to play essentially middle linebacker with a safety, a, a strong safety going down the road for the rest of the time, or, you know, Elliot or, um, you know, UG three is on IR right now. So, and I don't think he's still eligible to come back yet, but with his back condition, we don't know if he'll ever play. He might be like a, a, a Robert Spence Mm-hmm. kind of guy or it's spencer um sean spence, sean spence. gotcha sean spence kind of guy. thank you for correcting yes, sir. And, uh, <laughs> so but past that injury joe hayden with the concussion like we were speaking earlier 
I am optimistic on this concussion. He does not have concussion issues. I'm hoping it is light on him and he clears protocol this week to play. Good news was in the press conference, Tomlin stated that Steven Nelson, they expect him to practice this week, at least in some respect, which is fantastic news for a guy that got an MRI last week and didn't practice all week. So if we get Steven Nelson and Hayden back for this game, it's big going up against those Buffalo receivers and would go a long way for the rest of the defense being able to cue on the interior for the tight ends and the running backs. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Boswell also has a grade one labrum sprain. That is official inside information for Steeler Nation. We've got a, a source that directly confirmed that in the Chris Boswell camp. So we were the first people to break that it was a grade one labrum sprain, which is great news because grade one is the smallest possible. I mean, it, it will not heal on its own, which is the bad thing, but you can go years on a grade one sprain uh, by managing it and giving it some rest. So Chris Boswell also mentioned by Tomlin, he is expected to at least try to attempt to practice this week and we'll see where he is. Obviously the kicking game would be a big improvement if we have him back but I don't want him to get hurt any worse, obviously. So I hope it's managed well with anti-inflammatories and, you know, hopefully a little bit of luck here to be able to finish the season before having to go through and get it cleaned out appropriately. For sure. You never like to see Mike Tomlin live in his fears, right? And he totally did last night, not wanting to kick the field goal. He was definitely afraid he had said as much, didn't want to put Matthew Wright in that position, mm -hmm. but it was a pretty standard 45, 46 yard kick that any pro kicker should feel okay lining up to, to boot. So that was a, that was a shame to see, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah. all in all crazy, man, the, the injuries keep piling up. It's kind of like all year. I feel like, Steelers fans, at least myself, have always had this in the back of our head, like, okay, what's going to start to go? It felt too good to be true for a long time. It was like, okay, Devin Bush is down, but Spillane is, like, filling in amazingly. Spillane yeah. can play. Like, we're fine. Yep. Al Spillane goes down. And kudos to Spillane Robert. Was having a he was having a hell of a game, too, before that, he went down. That's what that's I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. Having, oh having his best game and making a play on the play he got hurt on, like, tipping yes. that pass on the yep. actual play he got hurt. Like, that was just a, a hell of a game from Robert Spillane. So, yeah. doubly, it doubly hurts to see him not – to see him go out because yes, it hurts the team, but also I'm sad for Robert Spillane because he was really boosting his stock. And man, dude, these guys who are backups when they get a chance to shine, like I know it's, it sucks to hear this because you think of Robert Spillane as like a Steeler for life. Like he's a Steelers guy, but like these are auditions for these guys, whenever yeah. they get a chance. Now, Robert Spillane, when next time his contracts do, there's a lot of teams that have tape on of him in real game situations saying, okay, yeah. this guy can play. So that damage, all that does is hurt Robert Spillane's stock needing to sit on the sidelines because obviously Devin Bush isn't coming back this year at all, but who knows what Spillane's role in the defense will look like next year and moving forward. Like this might be his chance to get that tape out there. So it sucks for him, man, on, on that level. But yeah, I just wanted to comment on what a game he had. The dude was balling yeah. out. Yeah, he was. And last thing I wanted to touch base on was the COVID list. We've got uh, only James Connor and Marcus Pouncey being the only two people left on the list. Uh, James Connor, Connor is eligible to come back any day. Uh, Marquise Pouncey is eligible to come back on the 11th. So we've got three days till, uh, Pouncey is available, but he'd still be able to play in the game if he is yeah. symptom-free uh, past the 10-day mark and, of course, symptom-free from three days and testing negative. So, yeah. you know, Tomlin mentioned that both of those, maybe having all of them back for this Buffalo game would be an excellent way to, for at least Steeler fans, at least 
get a little excited about this matchup coming up this weekend, having everybody at full strength. Well, they clearly need it. And if nothing else, having Pouncey and Connor back, if the run game is still terrible, then we're out of excuses. And we know that something needs to change. You know, it's not a personnel issue, which I already said, I don't think is the case anyway. It doesn't help for sure, but it's not, it's not going to be an instant solution for their, for their struggles. And we got a comment on Facebook, Archie Watts was just asking if James Connor was playing. So we just covered that and, Archie yes. said we need an efficient running game, which I totally agree, Archie. And it's been that that way for weeks. So I don't know what the solution is right now, man. If I knew that, I would probably be making bigger bucks as a offensive coordinator or some kind of professional coach. But uh, man, it's been bad. And for me, it's just the O line and striker. I know you you have a little more on this topic. I don't know if you want to dive into that now or save it for later. But yeah, yeah. At least at least I just wanted to talk about specific dates for Connor. Connor, he was eligible to come back yesterday. That was his 10-day mark was actually yesterday. So he obviously wasn't ready to go yesterday. So anytime this week, we're expecting him back this week. He's still on the list, but he should be clearing this week. Nice. He's he's already missed two games. Uh, Pouncey's already missed two games. So they've had a nice two-week bye to be able to get the rest of their body healthy to come back and make a big impact coming forward. Uh, Mike Tomlin's presser, I mean, he was – pretty staunch and this has always been my I love Mike Tomlin and the fact that he always goes for it on fourth and short and he's not afraid to go for it on fourth and short and his presser the big line from there is you don't get a yard you don't deserve to win and he's 100% right he challenged his offense to be able to get that yard we didn't get those yards and that was you know I can't argue the call because I always want to take a coach that's going to put my my team in the best position to win and when you live with that, you've got to live with a couple of these games every once in a while where we fail on those, those options because they, over time, you're going to win more games than you lose when you go forward on fourth. And over time, we've seen Mike Tomlin's winning, possession, yep. uh, winning percentage, fourth all time. Hallis, Belichick, Shula, <laughs> Tomlin. Not bad. You don't get that way without doing this. Right. And it's you live, you die by this stuff. But this is the guy you want. You don't want a guy that's punting on fourth and one inside of the, right around the forty yard line because that's that's what like the Cincinnati Bengals have been doing the entire time with Lewis. Uh, I mean, that he was that coach, dude, and uh, the, the old Jets coach too, uh, Ed, Edward um, Edwards. That's Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards. Yeah, yeah Herm go. Edwards would do the same thing. They were Frady Cat coaches. They just kick as opposed to you know. Be, being looking like a fool going for it on fourth and short and missing out and then get all the blame. Sure. And, uh, yeah. and then the last thing that Tomlin stated, at least that I thought was notable was on drops and the receivers dropping. And he says, I expect guys to make pl- routine plays routinely. Yeah. And then they followed up with, well, how do you solve that? And you solve that by maybe putting in a different receiver that is not dropping the football. Yeah. He dated that in the conference. He is telling that was a great quote. It he was. Said, he said they'll, they'll start catching the ball or we'll find guys that do. So it was something like Perfect. that. That was Perfect. wicked. That's, yeah, that's more accurate than, than my good. <laughs> my I mean, quote of it. I heard it. My ears perked. I was like, okay, yeah. okay, Mike. Like it, it be like that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to be hard on the receiver room. He was a receiver in college. He started off as a receiver's coach. Yeah. We've had great receivers, and I think he's a big part of it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how this gets fixed coming up this upcoming week and uh 
but before we get to the questions from Steeler Nation, we got to get to the breakdown. Hunter, how do you see this game shaping up? We obviously know Josh Allen is an excellent quarterback, very young, Big Ben-esque, mm-hmm. and talented as hell, and even sounds like Big Ben when he's cadencing. I was yeah. listening to the game last night and watching it, and it's just like, it sounds like Big Ben, ben back in that huddle. What, what do you see awesome. from Buffalo and the, the way that they're going to attack us? Josh Allen is very much, like, as much as we want to say he's like Big Ben, which he absolutely is, he's like the 2020 version of Big Ben. He runs better than Big Ben ever did. He's way more mobile than Ben. And he just, he fits this modern style offense. And the Bills have really crafted a very, very good team around him, man. They're, they're wicked. If you guys watched that, the game last night, their offense was clicking like crazy. Allen had close to 400 yards and four touchdowns, and they can just spread it around. Stefan Diggs is the guy for sure. And I've always been a huge Stefan Diggs fan. As we've talked about for all, all season, I like the shorter, shiftier receivers that make their living on, on running precise routes and yards after the catch. I just think those kind of guys are very fun to watch. Yeah. So Stefan Diggs is very, you know, A.B., Deontay Johnson-esque in that way. Doesn't, doesn't drop the ball as much as Deontay has lately. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Stefan Diggs is a problem. So you want Joe Hayden to be back for sure. You want Steven Nelson to be back for sure. Because if those guys are out, or even just one of them is out, this could turn into a long game quickly, could turn into a shootout, and we've seen the offense as it's working through kind of these woes. It's not what you want to see, man. The one thing I will say to kind of put a little bit of a – to temper the expectations of Buffalo's offense a little bit, their offensive line and particularly pass protection is not great. They, yeah. Josh Allen has been sacked a ton this year. Mm-hmm. So that's doubly why I think, the, you know, the streak is going to live on. I think San Fran or Seattle sacked him seven times, I want to say, this year. One of, it was either San Fran or Seattle. I think it was Seattle. Sacked him seven times. Ridiculous. Well, San Fran was just last night. Yeah, so. right, right. It wasn't it, last night. It had night. to be the Seattle game. Yeah. Definitely wasn't <laughs> last night. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Seattle. So, seven times in one game. But that it's not like that's an outlier and they're blanking, you know, zero and ones otherwise. If you look down the sheet, it's like three, four, two. Like two is probably the average. Two or three a game, I would say, is the average. So, just, okay. it's possible to put Josh Allen on the ground. And, of course, when you've got a defense like the Steelers, that's, mm-hmm. that's definitely going to happen. So it's looking like a shootout on paper, I think. You know, yeah. the Bills are going to get theirs. They're going to get their points. Our defense would have to have like an all-season type performance to totally shut them down. It's probably just not going to happen. So this, this game really comes down to what our offense can do against their defense. And if, if it plays <laughs> like they did last night against the Washington football team and like they did the week before against the Ravens, Steeler Nation not going to be happy come Monday yeah. morning. So Well, I, and for me, I think that this game may end up being the other way. I think that weather could become a factor for this game. I think it could it's be a low-scoring game. I'm not afraid of our defense performing and making plays. Yes, Buffalo may score, but it's going to be more on our offense being able to score, I think, moving forward. And especially now that, you know, when we're getting to this short yardage stuff, we have to stop trying to make the play behind the yard to gain right on right. the short yard so stuff. The, these that's plays so need to be made over the line to gain that's how you get past this problem and that's just a a strategy a strategy aspect that you know it, it used to be the old steel like when i was rooting for the steelers like a long time ago back in the 80s it seemed like we always made when we got in the red zone we always made passes before you hit the goal line mm-hmm and why don't you throw the ball beyond the goal line? Why don't you throw the ball beyond the sticks? But, you know, when you got guys like Mark Malone and coming up through the, uh, the early O'Donnell years, that's fair. <laughs> you know, it's just the way they were. I mean, O'Donnell was a, 
was a quick passer too, a volume passer as well. So, yeah. you know, on, on that note, a good time to address my good friend, Tony Serino's question here. First off, Tony, thanks for watching, dude. I hope yeah, Tony. you guys have been well. Congrats Welcome on back. the wedding I saw. So oh. married man now, Tony yeah, killing Tony. it, killing the, ga- killing the game. He said, how worried are you guys that this team's future is in the hands of Randy Fickner and his ability to fix the offense, man? That's, that is the million dollar question because uh, of course we know Matt Canada has some level of influence on the offense. We know, that this team has performed very well offensively this season. And Randy Fickner has at times in the past, you know, orchestrated very efficient offenses. Sorry, my, my dog kind of going nuts there, but, uh, <laughs> but the past couple games, especially, and especially this last one, the worst example yet, man, there were just flat out baffling play calls. You talk about throwing short of the sticks on third down, failing to punch it in from the one yard line on four attempts, five attempts, however many attempts it actually was. I mean, just hideous stuff offensively when you look at this team and you look at the roster and you see the talent that's on this team you can't convince me that this offense shouldn't be doing more and once again I don't have all the answers man I don't know I'm not the pro offensive coordinator that's going to come in and say well here's what you need to do on first down and on third down I just know that this team does not score 17 points a game. <laughs> That's all. Well, There's and, way too much talent. Yeah. And I'm not putting it all on Randy Feekner. I See, for me, I go the, uh, the other way in that as long as we have Ben Roethlisberger, we're going to have a shot no matter who's calling the pl- passes on that first drive. Mm-hmm. Um, ben always adjusts. He makes plays. I mean, and, and all this stuff, it's, it's very small minutia that could have been touchdowns. That's Snell run should have been a touchdown eric ebron whiffed mm-hmm. whiffed on the edge mm-hmm. on chase young and didn't even didn't even barely touched him like grace and you're at the freaking goal line i mean it's your job to hit the guy in front of you and he absolutely like turnstiled away from uh chase young on that play which was inexcusable because that was the only way he couldn't get up and behind the, and that that was the best push that we got all game from our line because yeah. our entire left hand side of the line was in the end zone Yep. So if he didn't get hit on his launch point when he was trying to jump, he that was a it. touchdown. Easy. Yep. Easy. Get that block and that's a touchdown. Yeah. Ebron, so that was- Ebron was extremely frustrating. Obviously has been the past couple of weeks with the drops, but I'm glad you brought up the blocking because that's been just as bad, if not worse. He Early on, I remember, you know, I was impressed. I was like, man, Ebron's not as bad as a blocker as everybody has said. You know, he was acceptable. He wasn't Vance McDonald and he certainly wasn't Heath Miller or anything like that, but no. he was – making blocks and trying but this this past this last game by far the worst and I'm glad you brought up that particular play because that was just that was inexcusable man there's there's effort you know that's all it was there was just zero effort effort. yeah and now we're questions for Steeler Nation since we've already taken one there from uh, Facebook we're going to be taking some more here too from Facebook and anybody on Twitter if you got a question throw it on up this is our time where we do our Q&A this is the section from SteelerNation.com football forum you sign up there we take a lot of our questions from there at least from each week and we've got some great smart football fans over at the steelernation.com football forum that give us great questions Mm -hmm. and hoot gives us the first question of the day says two weeks of sloppy ball how do you fix it man (laughs) that's like like a multi-layered question (laughs) well i i kind of i didn't mean to put you on the spot i have some theories Um, first of all, like, this is the one thing that I was trying to wait toward the end of the uh, show to talk about. And that's, I think it's time to start making personnel changes along the offensive line. There you go. I I think it's time to move, uh, Matt Filer back from left guard to right tackle. 
it's time to take Hawkins off the field completely and utilize Chooks as the extra tackle. And it's also time to put Dotson in as the starting left guard. Um, mm-hmm. These guys in these positions would give us a much better success rate of pushing the football down the field, plus having Pouncey back instead of Hausener. I mean, you're talking about a much better offensive line. I see, and DeCaster's been having a tough time this year. He's been looking bad mm-hmm. in the run game and, and the pass game. He, he hasn't looked his normal all-pro self. And I don't know if it's because he's got to help out um, Chooks so much on his right. Uh, and, I mean, literally, he's on an island. He's got yeah. Hausner to his left, Chooks on his right. He had a bad game last game. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I think if you put more solid people on either side of it, that can help him. And one other additional change I'm going to add is gadget plays. All right. It's time for the Steelers to start throwing in gadget plays because we've got receivers on this team that can throw the football. We've got a couple running backs that can throw the football. And everybody is crowding the line of scrimmage. Everybody. So you get on these third and short plays, do run again around midfield. That's what we used to do with that you know, 2005 team, it seemed like every time we hit right around midfield, once a game, we try to gadget. And mm-hmm. it's when, when you've got a stagnant offense, that's how you start loosening the other team, getting them to play more honest, getting them to play off of the line of scrimmage helps out your uh, rushing game as well, just by them playing off the ball a bit, but it's a multi-layered effect personnel working some new plays. Yep. Yep. I like that, man. I like, I mean, when you talk about gadget plays, I have a similar, you know, kind of idea here and that's just allow the Matt Canada influence to shine a little more. I feel like yes. we, we saw it yep. early on in the season and it's basically all it's disappeared yeah. essentially, especially the past two weeks, it's been non-existent. So I don't know if, you know, there's a couple ways you can go with this in my head playing devil's advocate. I can say, well, the Ravens were a practice squad team. Maybe they just didn't want to put too much of that footage out there for when the real games, the real matchups start happening. And maybe they thought they could beat Washington without doing it as well and not putting that film out there. So I understand like wanting to keep some of these wrinkles secret for the postseason and for the games that really, really matter. Yeah. But at the same time, man, when your offense is this lethargic and this struggling, you got to try something. I'm t- I, don't, I don't want to see these wide receiver screens anymore and these super quick passes that are getting tipped at the line. We saw Ben adjust to that beautifully, and I forget which game it was, but we talked about it on the on the podcast. It might have been the Bengals where he started pump faking a lot to get yes. those defensive linemen to jump and yep. then complete then the pass he, after that. Yeah. And we didn't see, you know, I, I wasn't particularly watching for pump fakes, but I, I remember maybe one one or two of Ben. It, he wasn't doing it he as often. He wasn't pumping as much this game. You're and, right. And he obviously – that ball out as quickly as possible this game, but because yeah. of Washington's pass rush. Oh, exactly. Washington has it makes sense. pass rush. They absolutely yeah. do, and full credit to them. And, of course, they got the tip tip ball interception at the end of the game. So yep. I would like to see more pumping or more any – you know – it was just the same old, same old, same old. We talk about the definition of insanity, you know. It was clear that that just wasn't working. But <laughs> at the same time, the receivers – if you even cut the drops down from six to two, what does the game look like? You know, you can't really yeah. know what, what impact that would have had on the game, and especially the game before against the Ravens the same way. You know, several of those drops were on third down. How does that change the drive? I mean, we could be talking about if the Steelers receivers aren't dropping balls, we're not talking about any of this. I don't know. You know, it's a culmination of all this sloppiness. So I feel like we talked a lot about it in answering Tony's question, but never really answered the question of how worried am I about Randy? (laughs) 
I'm pretty worried, man. But at the same time, Randy's not dropping footballs and Randy's not, you, you know, doing these other little things that yeah. are potentially holding them back. So it's, yeah. it's super hard to say. And he's super easy to blame. But at the same time, it's hard to say. It just – it really is. I'm Overall, they're 11-1. and one. The offense has looked good. We've seen the offense look good throughout this season. You and I both feel that potential is still there. I'm not burning down the house worried, but I'm concerned. We'll say that. And this brings us to the perfect second part question from Hoot. Striker, you are a wide receiver, if I recall correctly. How – do we fix the drop balls? Now, this is the point of the that I was waiting for to talk about them specifically because the drop balls are fixable. They're all different for each of our receivers, but they're all fixable. I'll start first with Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron's problem is he turns up the field before he secures the football. And he did it again in this game. He started off great. He started off two-handed it, and then he dropped one and then immediately comes back and catches one, two hands it, make sure he's got it. And then later on, he did the same thing, turns his head before he, before he gets the bar, tries to twist his body before securing that football. That ball hits the ground. It's hitting him in the hands. So his is very fixable. His is mental. His is just do not turn upfield until you secure the football. I mean, and it happened after Washington had that, turn, that catch and turn for the touchdown. Because now I, I don't know if Ebron's thinking, well, I can do that too and trying to turn around quickly with that ball and make a big play. But you got to catch that ball first before you can make any play. Yes. So, and he was making some fantastic contested catches in that game and some really tough catches. So, you know, I'm not going to crap on Eric Ebron. It's just a small thing. It's a mental thing. Catch the ball before you turn up field. That's Eric Ebron. Now nice. we talk about Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson's is mechanical. I mean, he's coming out of his breaks. A lot of the time he has his hands below his hips. And my wide receiver coach used to slam on us every time we came out of break with a hand below your hips because the ball came head height. You got to reach your hands up from below your hips to up above your head to try to catch that football. And it's going to be an incredible play if you can get your hands up on it. But if you're coming around and pretending you're going to block somebody and you turn, your hands are already at chest height. So you're already protecting your core and can catch anything above or below your core much easier than you can with your hands down below your hips. So his is just technique. He's a young player. That's something that, you know, Ike Hilliard needs to be on him about because I notice it. And I'm not an NFL quarterback. I'm not an NFL uh, wide receivers coach, but that's his problem. His problem is his hands aren't ready to make the catch. He's make, creating the space. He's got the space. If his hands are ready, he's going to make more catches. So that's what I see out of him. With Chase Claypool, his are contested catches. Same thing with, with Washington. Washington is a bigger body, stronger guy with more years in the league. And he's making the contested catches and those body and those, those catches with people on his body because he's bulked up over time. And I think Claypool's will come. I mean, Claypool's still making insane plays. He had a good catch down there to start that set of seven straight plays inside for the red zone mm -hmm. um, with that big catch around the seven yard line when we started that sequence. And that was a really, really tough catch to come back and work toward the football. But where his problem is, is the contested catches where he's being, where he's just not big enough yet and just not filled out and thick enough yet and strong enough in his hands yet to keep those balls in. And I think they will come with time. These are things that you're going to see a big jump between his sophomore, his freshman and sophomore year here with the Steelers is he's going to get better with age because he's going to get stronger. Hands right. are getting stronger. Body's going to get stronger. Um, and then the 
Who's, who did I mention? That was that was. Thank you, Juju. Those are pretty much the, about Juju, Juju Smith Schuster. He's he's draw. I think personally, he's trying to do too much. I think he thinks he has to make every play. I know his first drop was a low ball that he tried to jump back for. He should have had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then he takes it upon himself that he doesn't get that pl- that pass. And then he has some contested drops. Yep. Contested drops are going to happen. Like. No matter how strong Washington is, no how strong Juju is and um, Ebron, sometimes the, the defense is going to hit their body and be out there at the same time as the football, and they're going to have drops. And that happens in the game. So, you know, Juju's drops are more like that as well. And he makes the plays more often than not. I'm not as worried about Juju. I just don't want Juju to take this upon himself that yeah. he has to carry this team because he doesn't. Right. right. He doesn't. And that's, that's what I tell Juju. I say – you are the guy, but you don't have to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the big Ben Roethlisberger thing earlier in his career. It's like, you are the guy, but you don't have to be the guy. You got a whole yeah. team around you to help you make plays. And that's why Ben distributes the ball so well to everyone now. It's so a, all it's these really, are really, yeah. yeah. Interesting dynamic with kind of early career Ben, as you talk about in this entire receiving group, particularly Juju, you know, thinking of him as the guy, but they're actually better when they simply play within themselves and within the system than trying to really stretch it out. I mean, it's hard. I can understand how hard that would be for them to do whenever you think, you know, you can always make a play and you can always be the guy. But I think Ben had the great quote earlier this season, where it was like, none of us has to be great because together we are great. If we're just good together, we are great. Like that's, that's a great way to look at it. And I definitely think that's, that rings true. And these problems, these drops, you talk about trying to do too much. I mean, that's the perfect example of it because it's just kind of compounding issues. Like one turns into two, turns into three, turns into four, because as the pressure gets cranked, the next one, you're putting more pressure on yourself and trying to do more on the next one. So it's very obvious that that's what's happening. It seems like they just need to take a deep breath and reset, man. I'm not super worried about it. They're they're pro football players. They're going to make catches. And and you've had Ben practice twice, I think, in the past two two weeks. Once once in the past two weeks he's, he's had one practice in the past two weeks so that's that's an aspect too because he throws a little bit harder than Dobbs and and Rudolph and Duck in practice mm-hmm. so it's going to be a change when they hit the field the ball's going to be coming out quicker going to be coming out harder yeah but I, I think Ben's going to finally get a full weekend here this week if, if not all three at least two games yeah because uh, I know he's not used to playing the Wednesdays or practicing on Wednesday but they will do what they can to try to get this team ready and stop these damn drops from happening. Um, Matt Insomniac has a question for us. Uh, which was the ballsier and better move? Cower stripping Ron Earhart of his play calling duties in 95 or him firing Tim Lewis and Mike Malarkey while they were interviewing for head coaching positions, which led then to grabbing Ken Wisenhut for the offensive coordinator. That's awesome. Well, unfortunately, Matt Insomniac, I was like four years old when those things were happening. So I don't, I don't have a great recollection of, of this. And I, I'm unfortunately yeah. going to defer to Stryker on this one because yeah. I'd be speaking out of turn. <laughs> no worries. And for me, it's, it's definitely getting rid of Lewis and Malarkey to, to open the door for Ken Wisenhut because Ken instituting that a little bit more of fun with the game, instituting the gadget plays, that's – and that to me, it's – Bill Cower is like Andy Reid. <laughs> okay, and I'm excited to see where this is going. I was a, I always, I watched all of Andy's games up in Philly, and the reason why I say that is because they are the exact same coach in the regular season as they are in the playoffs. They will run the exact same plays. 
nothing different. Who they are is who they are. And if you can figure out a way to beat the regular season team, you know you, you have a chance of beating them in the playoffs because they run the same offense. Now, picking up Ken Wisenhut was a diversion of what Bill Cowher did hitting the playoffs because it was always same stuff. Stop our run. You can't stop us. We're going to keep pushing the run. And now we throw in this gadget place. Mm-hmm. And that gave the Steelers a boost, something that other teams could not defend against, could not prepare for, and gave them an advantage going down the step, the, the stretch where they had four straight games with a gadget play in each game. And they were all connected for big plays and turned the tide and had them win a Super Bowl when they were a wild card team. So yep. that was to me one of the best hiring moves and kind of kind of switching things up in the playoffs to make yourself better than you are. And this is something that Belichick does too. They'll go all year. They won't run. And then he'll have a game where he's like, uh, we're just going to get blunt the, the ball all game today because I know this team can't stop the run. And mm-hmm. Blunt will get 200 yards in that game. And it'll be an aberration and they won't run the ball again the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. But, but that is how good, good coaches learn to not rely on the exact same plays that got you there. You have to be a little bit creative in the playoffs. You have to work in wrinkles, you know, um, Peterson worked in that Philly Philly special in the Super Bowl. That was the only time they ever ran that play ever, and that ended up being a huge touchdown for them. So, you know, this, that's how you win games. I mean, that, that's where coaching makes a difference in mm-hmm. the playoffs. Absolutely. And to, to, let's add another wrinkle in that question for fun. I think Matt Insomniac will appreciate it. Huh? Where where would the Steelers firing Randy Fickner right now rank on the ballsy scale? That would be the ballsiest move of all, right? An eleven and one team getting rid of their offensive coordinator. Yeah. That would be yeah. ultimate balls. <laughs> that, that, that would be. Um, but to me, that's not what the Steelers do, especially with yeah, so much right. success. Now, I could see them say, hey, Randy, things aren't working. Let's see if Canada can help us out a little bit more. For sure. Let's, let's have Canada help you work out and design these first 10 plays. Yep. Because Andy Reid is a 10-play guy. He lives and dies by that 10-play notebook card that's that clipboard that he has every game he's always had the first 10 plays 15 plays scripted for each game yeah so it can work Steelers have to execute yep absolutely that's and a good one I like that question great question mad and uh drink iron city hey my god that's always great question this one's specifically specifically for you hunter okay let's get it hunter we deal with striker here all the time on the football forum and we love him dearly but how is he to work with, and oh. does he wear pants during the podcast? Oh, goodness. he's ter- First off, I don't know why you think I would know if he's wearing pants or well, not. Well, just, just so you guys know. Just so you guys know. I no, got there's shorts. shorts on. So he does not wear pants. He wears Steelers shorts. I'm glad. We could clear that part up first. but Not in my underwear. Striker, Iron City, he's, he's terrible to work with, man. You got to twist <laughs> – Got to twist my arm every week to get me on here. It's a horrible time. It's <laughs> obviously, obviously he's great, man. We have a really good time doing this. He's super professional, but also fun. Never too serious. Great guy. We, we text each other a lot on the side too, not even related to the podcast. So yeah. it's nice, man. It's been cool getting to know you as much as it has been getting to know the fans and just, you know, talking Steelers once a week for a solid hour plus. I know. And it's, and it's great because the more that we get to know each other, the more that we see, we have a lot of common interests. We both love craft beer. We both love playing music. We're both guitarists. Yeah. We're both, you know, I don't know sports wise. I haven't talked about, have you ever played any sports? What were your, what's your sports background? I was a basketball guy all through high school. Basketball was definitely my number one 
focus. How, I, I love basketball. Did you play strong forward? I did, dude. So here's the funny thing is I was yeah. one of the, I was the second tallest kid on the team. I'm like six, three, I was probably six, two in high school, Nice. but uh, I played point guard slash shoot, shooting guard. Basically I was an wow. excellent, I was an excellent shooter. So nice. I, I always wanted the ball in my hands and score. I, I was the kid who like Adam Morrison, if you guys remember him at Gonzaga and he got drafted super yes. early and he was, he was yeah. a bust in the NBA, but he was fantastic at Gonzaga. Yeah. He had a quote one time and it was when I was in high school and playing that just resonated with me because he wasn't, he was terrible on defense and I hated playing defense as well. <laughs> he said, good defense to me is if I outscore the guy that's guarding me. And I'm like, all right, I'm good with that. You score 20, I score 25. I played good defense on you. Yes. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I had a plus five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, I played a little bit of basketball. My, like I said, I played football was the only thing I lettered in in high school as a free safety and a, a kick returner, punt returner, and a split end, played wide receiver. Nice. And, um, but, yeah, so I, I played every sport. When I hit college, I played every sport. And I really started locking down on the weekends and playing hockey. That's when I started playing goalie and hockey. That's awesome. And uh, ended up having a, being a natural goalie in hockey. So That's I'd, killer. Yeah, that's really fun, man. My school, my high school didn't have football. I don't know if we ever talked about that. Oh, wow, no. Such oh. a small school that we literally didn't have football. I would have I would have absolutely loved to play football, though. I think I would have been maybe a tight end or receiver as well. Every time nice. I play in the backyard, that's what I end up playing. I love <laughs> I love being a receiver in general. So, Oh, that's great. And any questions then from Facebook? Uh, we got them all. I, I was trying to work okay, them in, in the flow of the show. We yeah. Great, that's great. Uh, we haven't seen Anthony in a bit. We miss you, Anthony. I know. Anthony, where you at, man? <laughs> We'll see you soon, bro. And yes, uh, one thing before I go to the, the outro and everything, we've got to show off our shirts here. Yeah. Check We're that both out. wearing SteelerNation.com podcast shirts that you can get on the SteelerNation.com gear page. Tell me about your shirt there. How does it feel? Tell you what. This is a soft, soft shirt. It's one yeah. of the, I don't know if it's that tri-blender, whatever they call it, but it's a very soft, high-quality shirt, man. Very form-fitting. The COVID yeah. – COVID has kind of packed on some extra pounds, but this fits in a nice way that doesn't really accentuate that. So I like the way it fits my figure. <laughs> it's like adult seal skin. <laughs> exactly. There we go. <laughs> and, and like these hoodies, I mean, these are super awesome hoodies. They're nice and deep. You know, these aren't chintzy hoodies. They're nice and thick. They're too walled. I mean, like the sweatshirts, they really do all. This is the Good champion stuff. sweatshirt. I don't know if we still do the champion ones. They're a little bit more expensive. Um, but, but even the lighter sweatshirts, they're nice and thick, nice, big, deep hood. And they're perfect for tailgating, virtual tailgating, rooting on your Steelers, even though they had their first loss of the season in December, right. Steeler nation, it's get over right. yourselves for God's sake. I'm back on the <laughs> podcast. So they're back on the winning train. That's, that's yes. how it works. We know, we know. And they got to unleash hell in December. You know, they waited a week for me to get back on board. I appreciate that. But now it's time to unleash hell in December. <laughs> Well, your their hell is our heaven for having you back. Thanks again, Hunter. We love having you on the show as always. Steeler Nation, follow Hunter Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Hunter A Homestek. That's at H U N T E R A H O M I S T E K. And we will be with you back two o'clock Tuesday to go over our craziness from the Buffalo game on Sunday night. Thanks for, hey, thanks for coming again, bro. Good 12 and one, dude. Let's go. 12 and <laughs> one. And that, cause that'll be a big win. Like this, that's one last point we should make. If the Steelers were to have a loss, this is the one that they True. should have because they lost Absolutely. to an NFC team does not affect 
the tiebreak at all with Kansas City. Steelers are still in charge of their playoff seeding. If they went out, Kansas City has no shot at the one seed. Yep. Love it. Love it, man. Steelers lost to an NFC team. KC lost to an AFC team. And Steelers would be unbeaten against the AFC. So, let's Steelers go. still control it. Still control right, it, man. I like See the sounds of it. Yep. See you next week, dude. And thanks for all the questions and everything, guys. See you next week. Awesome. Awesome. Steeler Nation, visit our title sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises, on Twitter, at Total Sports ENT. Get that Mike Hilton jersey. Just retweet it. Good luck to you guys. I hope somebody wins it here for the holidays. And check out their website at www.tseshop.com. You two can get a great, unique gift. We talked about the shirts. Go to the gear page, apparel page at SteelerNation.com. Gear up for the holidays. Great gifts. SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steeler content on the internet. Click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or click the forum button for the best football discussion on the web. Subscribe to our SteelerNation.com YouTube channel to be first to know about our video uploads and to watch these vidcasts as well. www.youtube.com slash C slash SteelerNation. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow us on Facebook at Instagram. Facebook.com slash SteelerNation.com. Follow the Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast and Instagram at SteelerNationPodcast. And follow your host, SteelerNationStriker, on Twitter and Instagram at SNStriker. Striker is spelled with a Y. And if you want to hear a little bit more of me, I have also a special guest on the great sci-fi podcast, High Tea with Monsters, Rebel Scum, and Vigilantes over at Apple Podcasts, free to listen to. We break down the, the most recent Mandalorian episode, which is off the chain this week. We talk about an hour and a half. We have a great time. And Brett over there is doing a fantastic job. So thank you, Brett, for having me on the podcast for High Tea with Monsters, Rebel Scums, and Vigilantes on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G-Striker, with Hunter Homestack, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!